You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, so this week we went to see a movie. It was the night before Christmas. And it was and called. The house. Is this the before the after the show discussion that happened days ago? Not really now, before the after the show? No, but we got a really long show this week, so I thought <laughs> I would insert this at the beginning. So then the so. answer is yes, this is the discussion that happened many days So this ago. week we went to see Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Is that what it's called? Don't look at me, you're the Star Wars boy. It, it didn't say a Star Wars story at the beginning. It did. It just said Rogue One. It said a Star Wars story. No, it actually it. didn't, because I made a mental note. And I it remember. Didn't. It only says it on the poster. But anyway, it's called Rogue One. We went to see it, the new Star Wars film. Uh, Sid Talk is going to give you her review. Well, I'm not either. I am not the Star Wars freak. That is all you. you so um, I don't want to spoil Rogue One, even though it's pretty... If you've seen A New Hope, Episode 4, it's the prequel to that. So some it, it's kind of hard to spoil it. But we're not going there. No. So what did we think of it? Did, did you like The Force Awakens last year? You first. I liked The Force Awakens last year. I like what Disney is doing with Star Wars, but The Force Awakens is a great new episode of, you know, Star Wars in general. And this is the first spin-off movie that people were very nervous about. Oh, spin-off movie. That could go down very badly. I don't think it did go down very badly. It is. What I would say about it is because it's the prequel to A New Hope, I think it makes A New Hope more significant and meaningful. If you watch these two as a pair, back-to-back even, it makes it improves that film, A, a, a New Hope. Tremendously. It answers a bunch as of questions. As my mother would say, tremendously. Answers a load of questions about it, you know, uh, fills in a bit of, well, fills in a lot of why every, why it all matters that much and what has happened beforehand. And also, as a standalone movie on its own, a Star Wars movie, it's a really good Star Wars movie. It, it, it almost doesn't feel like a spin-off. It feels like another Star Wars movie. It's that well made. Um, excellent special effects. Um, it feels different to the other Star Wars movies. A bit more realistic and gr- grimy feeling, I thought. More Definitely. That Gareth Edwards, who directed it, said he... He wanted it to be like a war movie, like Apocalypse Now or something like that. Like That Star was a Wars. little bit too obvious with the helmets and shit at, at a certain point, but I I was like, okay, 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 just squint my eyes and pretend that's not with really... With the helmets. They had the exact kind of helmets that we see in Vietnam footage, and they're real up close and they're, they're all stressed, and so I thought that's a little heavy-handed, but... But, you know, the... They introduce you to some new planets that you've not seen in the Star Wars universe before. There's a battle on a planet that is just amazing looking because it's like paradise being, you know, war-torn. Um, they, I think they filmed that in the Maldives, by the way. And I saw the uh, aerial photo of the place where they filmed it, and it is literally that whole... It's not a built thing. You know, mm. it's not a CGI thing. It's just a real set of islands that are all next to each other. Uh, so that's my opinion. It's awesome. We're going to review it when the Blu-ray comes in depth. What did you think? I as, loved it. As not the biggest Star Wars fan, 
I'm not the biggest not like Star me. Wars fan. No. Uh, I appreciate it for what it is. This movie makes me appreciate the entirety of it more. So I think that's pretty big because it, to me, Star Wars is like kind of this fluffy little soap opera in space. Because everything's been kind of overly color, overly shiny. Everything is sort of comic book outer space future or not the future, whatever. It's a galaxy far, far away. So it's never been gritty, really. Or anything. It's always been a little bit comedy, because we have a lot of comedy throughout all of them. Yep. All six, except seven doesn't have a lot of comedy. It has some, because between Finn and her, there's that, you know, and of course, Han Solo is still funny and everything, but not quite as much as, like, being dumped in the garbage and all the one-liners that we start with the New Hope. And so this one, because I'm a Star Trek person, and there are times in Star Trek where you get the, like, ugh, like the underbelly of, like, human badness and choices and not just one big bad dude like Darth Vader, you know, trying to rule the whole galaxy, but, like, really horrible things. And this one made me think more about the struggle these people have all gone through for how many hundreds of years or however long it's been going on. I don't know how long the Empire's been trying to take over. These are all questions I've never understood about Star Wars. I don't think he even thought about it that deep. I don't think so. Uh, Lucas, I mean. So to me, it grounds it all. And now I can start here. I I mean, I don't have a problem with the prequels, and I don't have a problem with Seven and any of it. It all is one big story to me. One big TV show, if you will. Made into movies. And But this one is like the anchor now. That makes me feel like there are people on planets and in cultures all over the galaxy who are just fucked up because of the Empire. Not just afraid. You know, even Rebels does that for me. And yeah. it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's an animated series that makes it more... It tells me more of the story of the people living it than it does these big grand battles and the big grand things like stealing a princess and chaining her up and... You know, battling the big bad guy on a big tall thing where somebody's going to get their hand chopped off and fall down a big big uh, thing. Now, if you argue that those things don't happen in Star Wars, that would be a mistake because they happen a lot. Someone asked George Lucas, apparently, what's with all the hands chopping off? And he said, well, that's what happens when you play with swords. That's as deep as it goes. (laughs) So I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to more. And the the best thing I can say about it is this. For a Star Wars spin-off movie that people were nervous about a spin-off movie. It is as much of, of a part of the Star Wars movies as all any of them are, if not is if not more important. Like it's the story more to itself. me because it's actually giving me a reason to care about this the Empire taking over. And, because you and could the rebels cause. Yeah, if you're not a Star Wars person necessarily, you look at it and go, okay, this dude wants to take over the entire galaxy. Every planet has to do their own thing. Yes, that's a regime. Yes, it's, it's, it has never been presented as being overly oppressive. It's just that, oh, when you see the clone troopers come, then you know you're in deep shit. Or if you know that the emperor is going to be flying over your planet, then they're looking for something. So everybody has to like, you know, but other than that, it's never, it's like if I live on a planet that's all the way over there, I'm not going to be that afraid of the Empire until they come knocking and right. then they leave and then they're not going to come back for a long time. You know what I mean? So, but this made me think about it on a different scale. So that to me is good. Go and see it. 
Yeah. It, it needs your money. <laughs> yeah, they can't. Uh, they need to be like Ricky Gervais. They made a certain amount of money, and now they just say, "Don't bother yeah. paying for your ticket. Just sneak in and give the give your ten dollars to like a charity." No, they've made a lot of money. It is a most successful movie this holiday season, obviously. Um, I think Star Wars will be for many years to come. So, um, moving on to this week, it is the night before Christmas, Saturday, December the twenty fourth. This is after the show number 459. We're looking at a movie this week. We always look at a movie every week. <laughs> but this week's movie is Morgan. It's a 2016 movie released on Blu-ray on December the 20th, so you can pick it up for somebody for Christmas if you can find a store that's open at this late hour. <laughs> or it's probably after Christmas. No, I'm actually publishing this on Christmas Eve. So Nice. It's a Christmas present to you listeners. How, how, how generous of you. To do uh, the exact same thing that you do every single week, but on a different day. But quicker. That's right. <laughs> it is rated R, and it's from our friends at Fox. And Sidtar will give you the synopsis of the movie, Morgan. A secret installation where a... Uh, you're sloshing over there. A synthetic life form is being nurtured. Uh, and things don't go well. <laughs> Great. <so that's... laughs> I mean, what else is there, right? That's it. Yeah, I'm looking what it says on the box. We're talking means. about, it's about creating, this is the movie, now we're moving into the movie territory. All right, the review Creating of the synthetic, quote-unquote, synthetic life, like a data, if you're a Star Trek person. Uh, there's nobody in Star Wars like that. I mean, Darth Vader, arguably, but he's not synthetic. He's just a dude who's had his legs chopped off and his arms chopped off. There's robots and there's people. Yeah, Data is an android. He's not synthetic life. So I don't. He's like he's like a little bit beyond Data. We've created a life form, really, that's better and everything. And now this group of people are in this secret place, and someone from the corporation, as we have had in many movies, says the trope, isn't it? The big corporation owns this potentially oppressive technology and um, sending someone in to see what's gone wrong because the synthetic life form has done something bad. And now we pick up from there to see what the corporation is really going to, how they're going to handle it. Right. So there may be spoilers in this review. So if you've not seen Morgan yet, go and see it. Come back. Mm, listen there will to be what spoilers. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's hard not to. Yeah, totally. So what um, would you say, um, what's his name? Uh, Ripley. And Bishop. Speak, speaking of Ridley Scott. Bishop is a synth, isn't he? Yes, yeah. he and is. And so is uh, Michael Fassbender in Prometheus. David. Spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been out for three years. Four years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're synthetic. They're life. synths, yeah. But they, are they? Milk comes out when they... Uh... Right, but what's syn- <laughs> synthetic to me is like... Synthetic, like synthetic pants. We watch the show Humans. They're called synths also. Yeah. And they are synths. They because do. they're actually not made of human flesh and stuff. No, they are synthetic. But this, like, what we're talking about in this movie, yeah. is actually grown from organically, a, but with from DNA nanotechnology strands. inserted in the, the nucleus of every cell or something like that. I, yeah. I didn't quite catch the science at the beginning. It's, yeah. It was they, a lot of... They do say it. very. There's exposition at the beginning. They show you on a screen a very yeah. sciencey looking thing that makes it look like a little tiny nanobot is going into the inside of the nucleus of an atom or something. All you need so. to know is there's nothing and there's no man and woman fucking each other and then the baby <laughs> comes out. There's not none of that. There's a And it's not a test tube baby where they take somebody's sperm and egg and all that. It's none of that. 
It's literally making a, a entity. They've grown it from like from yeah. molecules, cells, and, and stuff. cells. Yeah, yeah. DNA strands. Like how they altering. grow an ear now or yeah. a liver. But they make a full person. But better. Better than us Quote because unquote. that's our nature to go. Oh well, we would. It'd be better <laughs> if we're growing a person. That person not. Beast. Yeah, let's. This is the flaw with all these stories. With our, with us, actually. When we make the synthetic life, or the android, than you. we always make them stronger than us, and, and then we worry, <laughs> and we're afraid of them, and then yeah. they dominate and kill, kick our ass like in the Matrix. And we always forget to put like some kind of kill switch in there. Yeah, they'll need something. a self-destruct button. Yeah. I guess on humans, they have under the chin. You can just they do. Them it off, doesn't but... seem that effective. No, <laughs> you have to get close enough to <laughs> touch the bottom of their chin. Yeah. So this movie. I'm it, not clear in this movie if this is supposed to be a weapon or if it's... Because it's not explained at all. So that's one thing that... And I don't need that necessarily, but it isn't explained. Why? Brian Cox just says, like, something about... We have a few typecast people in this movie that yeah, slot totally. into very specific things. It's very vague, actually, but they do say something about we should stick with what we know. We tried, we tried this one. This one didn't work properly. We should stick with the other one, which is perfect. Not not entirely clear what they are trying to do, aside from they're just a company who are making synths or trying to make synths. Why? We don't know. We watch this we watch the TV show Humans. The synths in that world are created for us as slaves, basically. That <laughs> is what they're for. You go to the shop, you buy a synth, that synth then cleans your house for you. That's pretty much what we're buying them for. In that, but in not this, not just that. In this, she could be a weapon. <laughs> they're not just cleaning your house. In the humans, well, they're mostly. prostitutes they're, and slave yeah. labor, and I they mean, are we've coal miners and and they're sur- they're everything. They're taking they're to over. be slaves, so we don't have to do anything. That's what they are, and also to be the surgeons and the doctors because they can know everything, right. and not have to ever, you know. But in die. this, Morgan could, you know, she's exceptionally strong. So she could be a weapon, or she could just be a companion for somebody, and this is just going wrong. Like, you know, the, they didn't mean it to be exactly like it is. Because what it is, is she's a young, young, you know, teenager. But she's and not. She's, she's five in, years old. But yeah, she's accelerated. Accelerated growth. She's been living in this lab her whole life. Um, they've been trying to, you know, psychoanalyze her and make sure she's on the right track and make sure she could integrate with humans, but... She's kind of a bit... Psyched up. <laughs> yeah, it's not right, whatever they did. It isn't right. So, what did you think of her, Morgan, overall? My opinion is... um, I like movies, and I was just saying before we started. I like movies that... They're not a huge... This movie isn't a huge scale. It's a small budget movie. And it takes place in one location, pretty much. Yet... It feels more than that. It, it does feel like the money was spent, right? It looks the part. The story is written, contained, contained, so it doesn't ever really have to leave this compound. Um, it's not like... But it doesn't feel forced. But it doesn't feel like, oh, this is boring because they're not going anywhere. Everybody's just stood around in one room. It's kind of like, I wish it would take a break and, and move on somehow. There is a point in the middle of this movie where it kind of turns from like a you know a, a psychological kind of thriller type thing to a bit more of an action slash violent thing but it 
it doesn't never feels like oh they didn't have much money so this movie feels like correct they couldn't do what they were trying to do um so it does it's it's a flawed movie i think it's not a perfect movie in any stretch and the problem i have with this movie i really like it i think the acting's good i think they picked a good cast on the most part some of it's not not so good not all perfect <laughs> but there are some good people in this movie who are great um but the flaw for me is, you know, the synth thing. It isn't fully explained. And the biggest flaw, and I said to you, I'm usually fairly dumb when it comes to movies. I've watched so many movies. Uh, I don't think I'm dumb. I think I turn off the I'm trying to figure out what's happening here because I want to be surprised and I want to, I want it just to unravel in front of my eyes. I don't want to go, oh, she's that and he's this and, you know, I don't do that. But in this movie, I figured it out from about 10 minutes in. Uh, n- not, I didn't want to. Yeah. Just in my mind, I went, oh yeah, I think that is it. Okay. I, I had a thing in my head. That's gonna, that's what's gonna happen. And it almost happened exactly the same. I even, pictured how the ending would kind of be right yeah that's not common for you no so that was a problem because i was i was watching it and i was going oh oh yeah that is happening i think that was really down to performance and while i like the woman's performance that we're talking about yeah that's what did it if it if that performance had been less it means to be more subtle right just non-existent until it's time Right. Only with a very few little tiny hints. Because know. the script is is kind of Because if, the dialogue is fine. Yeah. The, if you change the react her her tone. They're trying to leave breadcrumbs. But so you do pick But it's not up. breadcrumbs, but, it's like the whole loaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And and it and it was a problem for me and I thought and I kept saying to myself, Well, you're not usually that good at picking up on that stuff, so you're probably wrong, okay? You're probably wrong, and then you'll be very surprised when it comes to a head, and you're like, oh, God, really? But no, I just knew what was going to happen all the way along, and what does happen is not actually that surprising, right? It's not like, oh, my no. God, there's no big twist or anything. It's I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it depends on the person. If you hadn't clocked in on it, yeah. then you would have been like, oh. You think there'd be a moment where you'd... Some people, that, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because I wasn't 100% convinced, but I was pretty sure. I was like 99% convinced. uh, But I had another layer on top of that that didn't come true. So I guess I had, you know, combination. So that's where it lost. (laughs) For me, there's a a whole reveal element, which I'm not going to spoil that. But there is a whole reveal element that would have been a (gasps) moment, which Mm -hmm. never even, it didn't work for me at all, like. There's too many clues along the way, and too many clues. I mean, they really pile the clues on that something is odd here with this character. Um, and as you know, there's more than ten different clues at least. And some are so big. Here's one that's really big. Uh, you have to look at me because I'm not telling the viewers. Um, mm, yeah. And then... Or yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're, they're too big, aren't they? They're too big yeah. clues. Like, um, you don't know. Listen, what the, that was. Yeah, and, yeah. It's just it's. There's no way you can't get it. Well, me. not true. I think it's it not. May, it's not fair thing maybe to say. Maybe it's because I tune, maybe it's because we've been watching humans and we've been watching different. This, you know, zombies was the big thing a couple of years ago. This is the big thing. Yeah, now, absolutely, like, synth. synthetic yeah. life, and uh, AI. What if? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, enhancing human abilities. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that for the next five or six years of more of it. Westworld. It's kind of zombies is very limited. You mm-hmm. either go funny or you go walking dead, which is sort of like soap opera zombie, or you go total grit and disgusting, which is 28 like 28 days, days later. later. There's really nothing else. I mean, all you have going on in the world is that, for some reason, dead people are coming back to life and eating other people. And how does everybody cope with that? Right. The only thing you can change is what caused it, how people deal with it, and then the the, the genre that you're talking about. If it's comedy, romance, Shaun of the Dead, or, you know, whatever, Zombieland. You know, you got different versions. But it's still just a bunch of dead people killing the other people. With synthetic life. There's more to it. It's all of every other human story. You could make synthetic zombies. Yeah. <laughs> you could go in a direction where somebody's gone wacky and decided to make a Frankenstein, a Dracula, and they're all synthetic and they're actually roaming the world. And you can make it a comedy or you can make it horrifying. We just watched Westworld. It could be Zombie World. Yeah, right exactly. Next door, where people go to be attacked yeah, by so zombies. Yeah, so you can tell every story with synthetic life. And what you're going to keep exploring is... It's still always our own fault, just like with the zombies. Zombies are always our own fault because of a chemical problem or atomic testing. AI is always going to be our fault. I call it AI because it's always going to be artificial intelligence. We've, we've plunked it in or plugged it in and let it do its own thing, but. And then it got cleverer than us. Yeah, it's always going to go back. You know, the matrix is that. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you find out that that's how it all went down. Spoilers. AI or, um, iRobot. Yeah. You know. Spoiling every movie. Bicentennial Man. But I like, I've never seen that one. But, um, I love the idea because you can make it anything. You could just make it, you could make a love story that you know every, half the people are synthetic and it's not even an issue. It's just that you've made a story 50 years in the future where that's what's going on and that's the way it is. Her was not synthetic life. That it was, was an the operating system. Yeah, but it was an AI. Uh, it, it learned. It, so it got. But it wasn't a body. No. It was just him in his ear. Yeah. yeah. But it still has that aspect. Like uh, you, it, it's been designed to be a companion for you. Yeah. And you feel like it's a human being because it's so. And the thing is, as human beings, all we are are programmed. We're like organic computers. We're just programmed from the minute you're born. You're told and taught everything. You didn't know anything, and now you do. How do you know it? Because of the input. People have put data into your mind your whole life. How you stand up, how you eat food, what to believe in, what to think, what color your hair should be, how you should dress, what you should think of the hippie or of the Republican guy, or how you, what movies you should like. All of that stuff is just programmed into you. We have the tendency then to grow our own perception, yep. if we're lucky. But not always, because we might be so programmed to follow all the rules that we just are this entity, we're a living creature, but someone else has put all the information in our head, and then you die, and then the next generation does it. I mean, it's all the same to me. It's just that the potential to make artificial life more powerful and more clever, that's the thing. Because if I have a child to teach, that child's never ever going to have bone density that's 20 times stronger than mine. It's not going to grow up any faster than any other child. It's never going to have an IQ of a thousand. It just won't. Right? So, the limitations are there. Yeah, humans have a limitation on it. Exactly. We are subject to diseases and to, to frailties and to death and to aging and all that stuff. 
once you start plucking those things out, <laughs> that's when you that's cross the scary the line. sci-fi um yeah thing. Because if that's you've decided, thing. even even droids that we've met in Star Wars and Star Trek, if you program them a certain way, you have an Empire droid. A he gets one. reprogrammed, yeah. and now he's a good. Now he's a rebel. But that programming is subject to someone else coming along. But that's the way the human brain works, too. I might be a perfectly normal human being with some weaknesses and some and some problems, and someone comes along and reprograms me to become a violent terrorist. They've told me things I didn't know. They've, Im- they've pressed something into my mind so hard that my behavior then changes. Right. So it's the same. So, yeah, so... Morgan has all those philosophical yeah, debates going on. Yeah, it explores every little yeah. detail, it's but just, not big and overtly. Just It's just if you have any inclination of trying to guess a plot as it's going along, I think this one you would easily guess. Well, once you listen to this, you don't have to guess. We haven't actually spoiled it yet, so... Um, True, but you're going to be sitting there going, mm, what is it? Yeah. I wonder what they're talking about. Yeah, but it's it was a bit too in, in the face. So, on the good side of things... There are some really good performances in it, and there are also some really bad performances. So that is a mixed bag, but the good performances outweigh the bad ones. Um, are they bad because they're bad, or are they bad because you don't like the person? I, I think there are... Because I don't have the same perception as you. I feel there are some weak actors in the link, um, whereas there are some very, very strong actors also. Like like it's a night and day with some of the performances next to each other. Um. The the sets and how this movie looks is all great, I think. It is really it good. It looks really good, like, for its Believable. small budget. It makes sense. I mean, it's a little bit video gamey when you come up haunt, to the big... Haunted yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense. Yeah. Because whoever's doing this is wants to be blend and I, not be, like, noticeable from the sky or noticeable from any other direction, so... Yeah. So, yeah, and then it's got laboratory under the ground kind of thing. It all looks really cool. What what happens in there is all good. Um, so moving on to the actors, Kate Mara plays Lee Weathers, the main character in this, aside from Morgan. What do you think of Kate Mara in here? Yeah, she's good. I mean, it's except for I mean, she's good. It's not her problem. Correct. It's it's someone's pulled that out, yeah. but she's good yeah. for exactly what it is. Yeah, I like her. She's not everyone will notice what you're talking about. So now we've kind of spoiled it, but. <laughs> and we saw Kate Mara last in The Martian, which was a Ridley Scott film, and this is Ridley Scott's son's film. So, and she's um, sister of Rooney Mara from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, I really like her. I think she's got a playing this role that she's doing here. It requires you uh, to be very cold, and she does it really well. Like that, that was one thing I noticed, but maybe too well for this part. Okay, so we've spoiled it essentially now. Well, yeah. by you saying that, maybe. No, it's very obvious now what we've said up till now. Well, I did say spoilers at the beginning, so but okay. I didn't actually say it out loud. So, Anna Ta- Taylor-Joy plays Morgan. She, um, We last saw her in The Witch. She's a new actress, actually. The Witch was the first thing she did. She was the, uh, you know, the blonde daughter in mm-hmm. The Witch. Uh, what do you think of her as Morgan? She's good. It's... It's very controlled. She's got a distinct, she's got an interesting look about her, and they make her very pasty and white because she's somebody who doesn't really go outside, right? Correct. I mean, she does. Plus, she's synthetic, I guess, but, you know. There's something different about her than, than us, 
so she looks striking, let's say. Um, I liked her. She uh, has to do a lot of action scenes more than she does talking scenes. There's not a ton of talking from her. I mean, there is a bit. Yeah, there is. There's the power. She has the little interview. But mostly she's, like, you know, doing some action. Michelle Yeoh plays Dr. Lu Cheng. I like Michelle Yeoh. Um, she doesn't have a lot to do here, really. No, but she's I buy it. She's a pivotal it. character. I buy it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she does get to speak in Japanese for a little while. Rose Leslie plays... Um, no, she doesn't. <laughs> I wrote Rose Le- Rose Leslie plays G- your grit on the uh, outline there. That's a character in Game <laughs> of Thrones. If you remember Jon Snow, that, that girl from Game of Thrones. I love you, Jon Snow. Yeah, she she's in the hair too. Um, and she, I liked her role actually because mm-hmm. the scenes between Morgan and her, where she goes outside of the laboratory, they're in that little forest clearing, and Morgan's. And you, you get where she's coming from. Yeah. As well as Jennifer Jason She wants Jason Morgan Lee. to experience Yeah, them. Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, same with her. Same kind of character, those two people. Yeah. They're sort of in love with the idea of this life that they've been nurturing. And they've got the long hair and the hippy-dippiness. They feel like mothers to yeah. this thing. Or some, they've nurtured life. Yeah. And it's precious. And it's not an it. Yeah. It's a she and in all fact, that. In they're fact, yeah. they're kind of offended when the lady Absolutely. from corporate comes in. I like it when so. he says, um, you're not going to... Don't you want to say it? And she said, says what? That guy that you don't particularly like. And he says, well, that, that you're impressed. And she says, is that what you need me to say? Yeah. And he gets pissed. <laughs> yeah. Like, how can you not be impressed? Because this lady is the risk assessment lady from corporate who's come in to see if this experiment needs shutting down or, yeah. or stay, you know, she's kind of the enemy to them. <laughs> um, Brian Cox plays Jim Bryce. Literally, if you blink, you'll miss him. But you know Brian Cox and he is in this movie slightly. Jennifer Jason Lee, who you last saw in The Hateful Eight, plays Dr. Kathy Grief. Um, she's great, actually. I really like her. And mm-hmm. she's in a pivotal scene from this movie right at the very beginning, the opening scene. Uh, you don't then, know it's her yet. No, but then she's in a couple of scenes. She's not, again, she's not in it at all. She's in a, a few scenes, and she's in a deleted scene that she, that adds, if you watch the deleted scenes on this Blu-ray, I like that deleted scene with her in it. Um, but she's good. She's really good. Um, I think people, like, when The Hateful Eight came out, and I was like, holy crap, she's so good in it. I'd forgot about her at that point. Because she'd not been in much. Uh, for, what, ten years? Maybe Long more. time. Yeah. But now, I, I believe she's back. Paul Giamatti is also in this movie. I really love love him. As Dr. Alan Shapiro. What did you think of him, Paul? He was pretty good. He mm. he got, he it wasn't long. He wasn't doing Paul. He was doing this. He did a little bit, yeah. but then you could tell he was his his role is to do a psychology psychological evaluation of. Yeah. And our he's a noble shit life. kind of guy. Like I just got to do my job and I'm out of it, kind of. But you also get the feeling he's not really into the whole synthetic life thing, mm-hmm. so that kind of colors his yeah. attitude. But it's good. He's always good. I think that's the thing about the Paul Giamatti character. He says very little. He comes in and starts to do this interview, but you know a lot about him just from how he kind of, his body language and his mannerism. It's quite clear where he stands, like, on this. Like, it's not, you know, might not be, it might not be his cup of tea. Um, so this is directed by Luke Scott. Luke Scott is Ridley Scott's son, and I'm not talking about a little kid. 
He's older than I am. He's 48 years old. Um, he made a movie back in uh, 2012 called Loom, which you can actually see on this Blu-ray. It's 20 minutes long. It's a very cool sci-fi movie that is included on this. And then this is his first feature movie. Um, what do you think of Luke Scott as a director here? Like, I think he did a good job. It's like we've said, there's a bit of a transparency, trying to not be transparent about what's going on, but it kind of shines through. And that, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just the way, I mean. I feel like that's like script. I don't have a good gauge of this because I often, without trying, with my skeptical brain, those things occur to me, like you're talking about, where yeah. you have your little bubble of just of belief that yeah. you, you you cast at the movie before you even start, and then you're just in the zone, and I have to often work at it, and then if anything cracks through, I'm like, eh, I get where they're going with this, you know? So I'm not a good gauge of it. But you saying that you saw through it tells me that there's something a little more... There's some something in the... Um way it's designed that is slightly wrong for me to cotton on so quick. I wouldn't have minded if I'd have cottoned on five minutes before the end, because that would have been that would have had the desired effect. Because there is a scene where you're supposed to be going <gasps> which doesn't work in this movie for me. Well it didn't work for me. You might not pick up on it, but I can't if you've watched movies, I think you're gonna pick up on it. I think that's the But Luke Scott, as as far as how this is directed how it looks, and what he did with $8 million, which it cost to make this movie. No, it's good. I think it's impressive. Yeah. yeah. It's a good set. I want to see more. Yeah, he's not a you know crazy shaky cam man. He's a very... It's a, not static exactly, but it's very nice looking what he does. It's, um, and even in the short film called Loom that he did, you can see there from that short film that he has an eye for making things look awesome. With very little low budget. Um, there's people, I went on IMDb and people like, are like, oh, it's just nepotism. This guy, has, his dad's Ridley Scott. Of course he can make movies and they'll look good. His dad's probably helping him. Like, and he's probably doing most of That's the work. That's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. This, he's a, he's a director in himself. What I really like about it is it's another Scott making some movies. These guys are talented. There's no doubt. I mean, Ridley and his brother, both super talented. They've made some amazing movies. If you've, not enjoyed one of the Scott Brothers movies along the line, then why are you even watching movies? <laughs> Listen to you. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, but they're very specific. I movies. feel like I feel like everybody's enjoyed a Scott Brothers movie at some point, be it Top Gun or be it. The I don't Martian. know if that's fair that'll put that on this guy because I mean he's nothing to do with them except he's a nephew in the. No, I'm not of- saying he has to live up to them. I'm saying I like that there's another Scott brother, uh, son, son yeah. making movies. They're obviously a talented bunch of people. Um, and I don't know that that's genetic. It just just happens. No, but it there's resources nurtured. there too, yeah. isn't there? Like where, you know, if your dad's Ridley Scott, I'm not talking about nepotism. I'm talking about look at the look at you the might questions the set that can be the, answered. You might be on the set of Gladiator, right? You might have been. He did work on meeting his all the people from Alien and seeing every read through and seeing your dad sit at the computer or write on a piece it's of paper. It's a lot of or, inspiration, let's say. Yeah. To take, uh, and also Luke Scott. It's not like he's just. This is a movie he made, and at 48 years old, he decided to work in movies. He's worked with his father throughout his career. Like you'll see, he's an art art designer, a producer, all kinds of different roles on his dad's movies. So, um, 
extras on this Blu-ray. There are quite a few, and one of them is exceptionally good. It's called um, The Next Step in Human Evolution, The Science Behind Morgan. It's like a 20-minute documentary-type featurette, which talks to real scientists about the how real this actually is. <gasps> and it said some things that I weren't didn't know we were that far ahead with. Did you know? What do you mean? Scientifically being able to splice genes and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, because um, I watch science video. I watch YouTube science stuff. It showed so. it. There was <laughs> Not one... that that's to educating. I'm saying I'm aware because I watch science news and I look up news about technology. I wasn't, didn't know we were that far along with this stuff. We're not far enough along to actually cure everything or fix everything, but... Yeah. But we've got a computer program that is not science fiction. It is science fact. We have a computer program that you can put the um, DNA strand into. You mean put my de- my spit in there and it will then give you... It'll sequence it. Find the bad part. Oh, yeah. And, repl- and you can actually replace it synthetically and then spit it out. I don't know if we can do that yet. I think they're talking about that in still in the like pre-human phase. Right. Theoretically and probably testing-wise, it looks like they can do it. So, like, say, I have the fat gene. If they say there's a fat gene, right, and this is the actual gene that makes it so that you gain more weight than, the, than another person that doesn't have it. So we're going to go in, get some of your DNA, plunk it in. Like, and then put the, put it back in you, and then your cells will start replicating and fixing that. I right. guess that's the idea. So, what they're getting at in this. It sounds pretty good. It's pretty good. There's a bunch of scientists talking, but what they're getting at is one of the ladies says, you know, we're looking for a cure for cancer or whatever. Everybody has been for years and years and years. They don't think medicine is the actual cure. It would actually be more this kind of thing where you take the cancer patient's DNA strand, delete the cancer part of it, yeah. and put it back in them, that would be more of... That was that is what we should be but looking But the body at. never get the chance to right. have cancer. So that's probably the way a cure to something that, you know, complicated would happen, not through a medicine. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. Really, really, really good. I, I was, like, enthralled the entire time with that. There are also um, deleted scenes. With a commentary by Scott, uh, Luke Scott. Um, deleted scenes don't really amount to much, to be honest. Um, he said, he tells you why they cut these scenes out, because they didn't want to give you too many clues. And I say they should have cut some more out. <laughs> I don't think it's the scenes. I, I really think it's down to performance. Yeah, I truly. So. Um, there's also the Loom short film with optional commentary by Luke Scott. I really enjoyed it. It's like an extra movie. It's only 20 minutes long, but it's it's fully produced. It's not like some amateurish. Yeah. It's a real it's it's it stars uh, Giovanni Ribisi. It also feels a bit not amateur, but that the idea is big, the execution is big and the balance gets out a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know. I, f- I feel like it the 20 minute length of it it needed a bit more time to make it more, you know, more the story more interesting. But it, it visually, with the woman running, there's some cool visuals yeah, really in, good. in the movie, yeah. Um, there's a director audio commentary throughout the whole movie, and there's a gallery. I don't know what the hell that gallery was all about, but there's a, a load of pictures from the movie that you can flick through. Even if you... I said to you, why don't you just put the movie on and pause it every now and then and look at the pictures? So, um, conclusion on Morgan. Flawed, sci-fi, 
though. I like it. really inter- inter- entertaining and enjoyable. Yeah. I really like the exploration of that whole thing. So. Well made, cool subject matter. Um, some bad performances, some good. I didn't even write the guy's name down. If you've seen Wayward Pines, the main kind of guy who's the creator of the Wayward Pines thing, that guy, he's kind of typecast as a scientist or a lab rat or something. In <laughs> That's a lot the one of you don't like. He's in this movie, and every time he spoke, I just wanted him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like him. So that was one of the things that put this movie out of joint a little bit for me. But I did like the story, and it is a cool what-if thing, because we are probably going to do something like this as humans, and it will bite us in the ass, which, well, you know, Morgan kind of does. So uh, thanks to uh, Fox for the Blu-ray. And uh, next week's movie review, which will be the uh, final one of uh, this year, is American Honey. And if you don't know what American Honey is, it's from Andrea Arnold. She was the uh, director of Fish Tank. And Fish Tank is one of my favourite movies. Uh, I thought it was an outstanding movie. If you've not seen it, go and see it before you watch American Honey. Um, she's kind of like a uh, like she a very natural filmmaker. She likes... Handheld camera, um, you know, no special lighting, just using the light that's around. It's almost like following somebody on the, in the life, and it's just unfolding in front of you instead of it being all produced and stuff. So, American Honey, we're going to look at that next week. Um, Sid Talk. Yes. What are your recommendations? We do recommendations at this point. No? Are we doing recommendations? Or we can do our top ten of the year. No, we're doing. Uh, I think okay. I believe it's recommendations. Okay, uh, mine will be, uh, Humans, as we've discussed, TV show. It's superb. It is really good. And, uh, it's a wonderful life going with the holiday theme, which I haven't watched yet, so I have until tomorrow. I, I'll give my deadline is 1st of January for watching all my stuff. I've almost watched everything, but yeah, it's a wonderful life. I will, I will go with, uh, on the topic of Morgan, Lucy, another movie where it, a one, the name of the person is the name <laughs> of the movie. Again. What about Hannah? Also, yeah. genetically. I had a lot of uh, Hannah vibes Hannah's, watching this movie. Yeah. yeah, attempts at a Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. But Hannah is extremely good. It is. And so it, Lucy's pretty good too. It just gets a bit whack towards the end, I thought. But I would recommend Lucy if you've not seen it. My other one is Stranger Things, because I was getting vibes of Stranger Things in this. Um, Morgan was giving me um, Eleven vibes. So if you've not seen Stranger Things, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's cool. Right. Um, games and a Scully stuff, uh, we're going to go with, uh, we'll talk about that one next week. Rogue One we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. The top ten of 2016, we do it every year. It's not the top ten movies that came out in 2016. It's the top ten movies of what we reviewed on this show. So we both pick ten, and we pick eleven actually, because we have our worst of the year also. So what we'll do is we'll count down from ten all the way down to one. And we'll go, I'll do my 10, you do your 10, and we'll go that way. What do you mean, you'll do all 10? No. We'll do each one at a time. Okay. We'll start with number 10. Okay. I got it, I got it. <laughs> and my number 10 is... Number 10 of the top best, is what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, these are the best, not Okay. The right. So my number 10 movie of this year, out of the movies we watched, is Spielberg's Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks. That's a good one. Excellent movie. Um, Open my eyes to that whole thing. Uh, Tom Hanks, excellent performance. Yours is? Mine is... 
Have a look here. Over here. One. I see. I'm never really good at this whole process. This is <laughs> one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. You told me you had it also. Ten. Number ten for me is Star Wars: The Force Awakens. That's a wrong choice. <laughs> that's out of fifty-two movies. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty because good. I'm not a huge Star Wars freak, but there are parts of that movie not because it's great. It is great, but that makes me go, oh. Shit. It's great. I'm ready for more, you know, so that's mine. All right. I'll give you my number nine. It is. Uh, my number nine is, um, a lot of people didn't like this movie, but I really did. I struggled. Um, there's a couple of movies that I had to knock out. But uh, number nine is Batman vs. Superman, Dawn Ooh, of Justice. Controversial. Um, I like DC, what DC are doing. We yeah, just watched it Suicide Squad. It, it's not better than a lot of other movies we saw. For me, it's, I, it entertained me a lot. You know what? It entertained me more, and this will be a controversial thing, than uh, Civil War. I actually like Batman v Superman better. All and right. not a lot of people would do. I know that. <laughs> You're going to get some um, shit on the internet. I felt like Civil War was just another Avengers movie. Like, it didn't feel like very different. It just felt like another Avengers movie. Whereas Batman v Superman, I just like this vibe. You know? So that's my number nine, Batman v Superman. Mine is The Nice Guys, which I, I remember I was trying to think, you know, try to relive them each as I was thinking of And it really was, it's flawed as well. It's very funny. But it is, it's got a thing that it harkens back to some older fashion-y kind of 80s movies for some reason to me. 70s. Seven, yeah, true. Yeah, because the... Its original true. title was A Couple of Dicks. <laughs> but it's The Nice Guys. And it's, it's, really, got, it's actually quite good. It is really good. Shane Black is the director. That kiss, Kiss, Bang, one. Bang. Okay. So that's my Nice Guys. All right. Number eight, I went with Nerve. It's a movie we've seen recently, but I kept thinking about it, how much I enjoyed Nerve. Yeah, but it really doesn't outrank so many movies. You're being Mr. Controversy today. Yeah. So Nerve, it's... um. We reviewed it very recently, so you can go back and listen to it. I really liked it, so I'm going with Nerve. You are? And my next one is one that you chose not to put in your top ten, Midnight Special. Yes. it was really unexpected, you know, the kid. I feel like it's a movie not many people have seen. Yeah, Midnight Special. We're not talking about Midnight Run or uh, Midnight Express or any of those. There's lots of Midnight. It was a sci-fi movie. Midnight Special. That came out. This year, and I think nobody saw it. Yeah, it's kind of quiet, but it's got a lot of impact. It's got some amazing performances. Michael Shannon. Really good. Yeah, it's good. All right. So, Midnight Special. So, my number seven is 13 Hours, which is the Michael Bay movie about the Benghazi. That was really good. It's... I know people, powerful. I know people hate Michael Bay, and they said it was just another Michael Bay movie. And it was a Michael Bay movie that was being gratuitous over over some real life thing. No, I think it had its point of view, and that's what it was. I think it was a movie with a point political point of view, but told through Michael Bay's eye, which is an action movie. But I don't think it disrespected, like people say. I don't think so either. No, I think it was well made, and it was intense. That's what I remember from it. So, 13 Hours was my number seven. Your <laughs> number seven is... Lobster. The Lobster. Lobster. <laughs> Which is really a weird exploration of what if, when you're writing a story, I would think of, I'm not going to write this like a, like a standard normal story. This is a story about a dude, about a world and a time where 
if you haven't coupled up with someone and found true love, that you have to go to this resort, and if by the end of the time you're there, you haven't found true love, you have to choose what animal you're going to be transformed into. You could be the animal. It's a true story. Ostrich, lobster, etc. So that's a premise where you go, what the fuck is that all about? But it explores the whole idea of how we couple up and why we couple up. Really, and really. Good. How we hold marriages together or why we find each other interesting or any of that. So it was really good. All right. So uh, I'm going with number six. And I went with Sing Street. Um, a musical. And I don't like musicals very much. But a very good um, British, It doesn't Irish. feel like it's a musical. No, it's really fun. It harks back to the 80s when you was at, when I Hardcore. was at school. Yeah. It, it reminds me of school. Um, it has some really awesome songs, and it's like super uplifting in that kind of like romantic, yeah, um, love actually kind of way. Like you will, you can't help but smile in, yeah, in some of the uh, scenes and some Absolutely. of the songs. Absolutely. And um, look at my number six, also. Is it also Sing, Sing Street? Street. Yeah. Because it's just... Definitely an awesome, um, fun... Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. All right, number five, I went with The Nice Guys. Hey, we've been there already. I like The Nice Guys better than you, you did. You did. But, um, yeah, The Nice Guys, Shane Black, really funny, Ryan Gosling, and uh, The Gladiator, Russell Crowe. <laughs> my next one, you are probably not even going to... This isn't even on your radar, but Zootopia. It isn't on my radar, no? Because it just... It had a lot going on that I appreciated. Not only was it just cool to watch and fun, but, you know. It had more of a message than uh, most Disney movies do. Had some underlying, you know, differences between people, message, and a young, a girl can be strong and brave and be the hero, and so I really liked Zootopia. All right, and number four, I went with The Lobster. <laughs> it is an exceptional movie and something I've never I said to you after we watched it. I have never seen anything like that before. The way it is presented, even okay. it's not just a sh- that synopsis that you said about it. Yes, that's what it is. But the way it's also presented is another factor for the movie because it is. Guess not- who's the guy? Colin Farrell. Yes. Yeah. Very different than you've ever seen him ever before. Pretty yeah, much. John C. Riley's in there, uh, Rachel Weiss. It's it's just the filmmaker also is a personality in the movie because it is filmed in a, this odd, yeah. it feels odd like all the time. Uh, so I've never w- seen anything like it. It was just. Feels almost like a Wes Anderson movie yeah. or like. Um, it's very precise or something. Um, what's it called? Somebody with hair. Napoleon Dynamite. Kind of a. People are a little more. It's not... They're stripped down. They're not... Yeah, Wes Anderson's a good comparison. It's very... Emotionally, it's it's a bit distant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very distant. In fact, some people watched The Lobster and said, oh, these are terrible actors. Like, they actually went, why is everybody really badly acting? But it was the style of the movie. Everybody was emotionally disconnected. Society has kind of forced people to be. So there there are conversations that go like, Hello, I am, you know, it's like that. It's very, and people took that as to say, why, why aren't these people trying? But no, that's the movie. Correct. My number four is Our Brand is Crisis. I mean, it's really high up there. Isn't for me, but yeah. It isn't, but I, and I, you know, it's flawed as well. It's just that it exceeded my expectations. I didn't want to watch it. I thought it looked really boring, I'll be honest. 
And maybe that's part of what colors it. But when I was trying to think back, do I really? Because I, I give them all a score on the week when we watch it. And then I put it on a spreadsheet and then I sort them. So that it's kind of done for me. But it got a, lot, a similar score to a lot of other movies. It's really high up there just because, I don't know, it really, the performances I thought were really good. I, I don't even know why. I think the idea I of like it. I like Billy Bob in it. It's a bit far-fetched, obviously. Again, it's flawed, but I think probably because I had less than zero expectations, and as I'm watching it, I'm entertained, and I'm thinking, and I remember it, and I remember feeling like we're all just puppets in this big fucking game of politics and, and leadership of humans leading whole entire countries on the puppet strings of somebody else and somebody else. And it digs into all that, and yet it's also got some sense of humor. Um, and it's got heart, you know, where this person has, she's making a decision, a big decision in her life to do something like Year of the Dog. It's a political movie. Yeah, like it? Year of the Dog where she just sort of gives herself over to this thing where the whole world is going to say to her, like, what's wrong with you? And in this one, Sandra Bullock kind of comes up with that, with not the same thing, but... She goes with her heart 100%, and in life we don't all do that, so I really liked it. Right, and so my number three, getting into the top three here, da, 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 da. is um, Dan Trachtenberg's Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, this Ten Cloverfield Lane, I had no expectations of it. I'd seen Cloverfield many years ago, like we all had, and I was like, a Cloverfield sequel? All of us saw Cloverfield? They must have made a lot of money. They did, I think. <laughs> but I was thinking, oh, Cloverfield sequel? Do we really need that? Cloverfield was, you know, a thing that happened. It was a found footage type thing. It was all the rage back then. This is a Cloverfield sequel, but it does not even need the first movie to exist. It's only the fact that it's got Cloverfield in the title is the link, really. Because it is a suspense thriller that takes place in one location mainly. Um, and it is just like edge of your seat the entire way through it. I was surprised by the ending. Yeah, yeah. The ending is, is very Steven Spielberg or something like that to me. But the whole thing, the way it was filmed, the, the, it, it's kind of gross in parts. It's kind of scary. Creepy. Not just and, scary, but creepy. And yeah. it's really well made. Um, I want to see more of that kind of film. So 10 Cloverfield Lane, number three. My number three is a little more just because of the overall really quality of it and its spotlight. Yeah. Which is Michael Keaton, the newspaper in Boston, was it? That it won some Oscars this year. Like a thing where the Catholic Church was basically moving priests around and, and paying people off to not do lawsuits against priests who basically fiddled with children and molested children and other, pe you know, people in the church. And, you know, you can go like, oh, that old story again. But this is actually based on the truth that the Boston Globe, I believe it was, did uncover like this bigger a conspiracy of, yeah, but very specifically. And it was just, it's like watching Doubt again. Yeah, it's, it's like that, yeah. It's real, and the, the style is of the 70s, kind of, and performances are all really good. I was in suspense, and also, like, you're disheartened by humanity, and yet it reminds you that the freedom of our press, this is a big order for a movie, but on some level, that is that's what your democracy hinges on. 
is that if somebody's not there to put that spotlight on the thing that's going wrong, and maybe we don't all get it right all the time, maybe we have TMZ and all that other bullshit out there, and, you know, terrible trash magazines and the Inquirer, and however, if you really don't have somebody willing to go to the war zone, to go out on a limb like this, this is what this movie made me think about, in the, like, actual solid real-life way, then you don't have much. So that ranked pretty high for me. That's my number three. I think it won Best Picture this year. Did it? I don't remember. Yeah, I seem to remember it did. So, yeah, it was. No, it wasn't Best Picture. Which one was the Best Picture? I don't know, but it wasn't that. I think it was Spotlight. I remember the, I remember the writers. I think it was. Hmm. I mean, that was the one overall that was the big one this year. So, yeah. It, it was, was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, number two. Um, I am going with a movie we just saw recently. And uh, it kind of right in my wheelhouse because it's like a... It's in a, your wheelhouse. It's oh a bank God. It's a bank robbery type movie, and it's called Hell or High Water. We reviewed it, like, only a few weeks ago. Um, fantastic performances, awesome story. Um, again, a, a low-budget, small movie that is just dominated by the performances. It's not about, really, anything else. Um, Hell or High Water, number two. That's your number two, eh? My number two is... Your number 10, Bridge of Spies. Because again, super high quality. Every Steven single, Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> every moment is, while some people might watch it and be like, oh, that's really boring. And Spotlight as well. It is a grounded in an event that has occurred at some point, maybe. This one, I think, is based on a true. Yep. Roughly. Loosely. Totally true, I think. Yeah. The guy, uh, the, the guy who played the guy, he, he won the Oscar. Right, but we don't know the truth of all the right. story, you know, so that's what I'm saying. It's loosely based on a true yeah. sort of more focusing on the era before, uh, like, like after the, well, it was as the wall was being built yeah. in, uh, Germany. So right at that time period when you're on the verge of, like, you know, this weird political thing and again, reinforces our ideas of, freedom and our society and Tom Hanks is really good in it. And it's one of those movies that shows you that Spielberg is just a jack of all trades <laughs> when it comes to, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, he's going to make a quality movie, I think. Yeah, because there are no dinosaurs or spaceships. No, it's more it's more Munich than Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people that, they might not go see it. Um, and number one for me this week, and anybody who knows me would have already guessed what it is. It is Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, it came out on Blu-ray this year, so we reviewed it, and um, it's Star Wars, so it it wouldn't always go to the top because, I, I said to you the other day, not all these new Star Wars movies that Disney are making are going to all hit, I don't think, even for the fans. There's going to be some one along the way where people go, oh, that one's not as good as all the others. People or you? Anybody. Fans. But Star Wars The Force Awakens was a great start to a new trilogy, you know, for the, for new Star Wars fans, old Star Wars fans. Um, I'm excited to see the new episode in, uh, next year. So, and uh, my that's... number one is your number two, Hell or High Water, because I could not find a flaw. Did you give it a ten? I gave it a ten. It's the right. only ten of the year. Right. My only ten, because every single minute, Every single scene, every single thing they said, all the ideas and the moments and everything. And that's kind of how I gauge movies. And afterwards, I'm left thinking about it and, you know, 
So I'm, I was impressed with Hell or High Water. All right, so that's our top ten movies of the year. Let's go for our worst movie. Uh, worst movie of the year, we go for one of them. And mine is <laughs> the diabolical, awful Point Break. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Catherine Bigelow's Point Break. I'm talking about the remake they just did with... Catherine Bigelow's Point Break is the Keanu Reeves Point Break of the late 80s. Sir Patrick of Swayze and... Um, Correct. Uh, yeah. Also not a great movie. No, it's but a classic a cool to some. Movie. Yeah, 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 it's a classic to some. This one is full of people you don't know and never seen before. It's bad. And that's not, that's not a bad thing because there are actors you don't know that are great. Nobody's great. <laughs> some are annoying. But if there are... And like that girl and she was annoying. Yeah, that woman. And, oh, yeah, gosh. If, there's any, if there's anything redeeming to say about it, the stunts are very cool. There's a wingsuit sequence that is very cool. But I could watch a wingsuit sequence on YouTube and get as much entertainment out of that. So, you know what I'm saying? So, And I'm not going to argue with you on this one. Look at mine. Yes. Point break. Point break. Got a 3 out of 10. That is the lowest. The next high, The next score up for me was a 5, and that was Divergent Allegiant. And I didn't really like it that much, even though I was neutral on it. This well, one dropped me down. Well, I could have given it a 2. What they tried to do with this Point Break remake was they said to themselves, hmm, Fast and the Furious is a big thing. Let's try and be like Fast and the Furious. And let's um, have very little plot uh, that even relates to the original Point Break. We're not going to remake it. We're just going to have this guy's called Johnny Utah. You know, we've got the same names, but the story's not even really the it's same. It's not as crap. No, it's, it's really crap. crap. Uh, it's this heisty thing and this seven things in the world and oh, it's, it's totally shit. Anyway, it has some good special effects. That is only thing about it. I would not watch it again. Um, so yeah, that's our worst movies of the year. We both have the same one, which is really funny. So, um, what is Svengoolie and what is tonight's movie? Svengoolie is a horror host who on Saturday nights does a two-hour show where he hosts a horror movie of some kind. It could be Abbott and Costello meets the Mummy, or it could be Original Frankenstein. It could be that's exactly a movie. It, the title is just S S S S S S S S S, not S S like as in Hitler, but S S S S S S like a snake or car. You know, one of those. Yes. This week is the Cat and the Canary. Which is an inner sanctum thing, I think. Is it? Yes. Those can be a little free. Is it got your favorite guy in it? It's possible. <laughs> well, and Cheney Jr. It's not one of our favorites. We're looking at him 40, 50, 60 years I've seen a lot of Long Cheney after. Jr. this year. A lot. <laughs> it's 60 years later, isn't it? Because that was yeah. the 40s. So we're looking at him from a different, different everything. And it's like, the only time he's good is when he's in such costume and makeup that he doesn't speak. Yes. And he just does this thing where he looks, he looks up out the corner of his eye. He looks out the corner of his eye when he's, <laughs> he's always looking at the camera. But he was the Brad Pitt of the time, apparently, or something, because he was in a lot of movies. Yes. And yeah. that's, that's it. I think he was even bigger than the Brad Pitt. I mean, he was in a lot of movies. He was in a lot of movies, yeah. yeah. And for me, uh, for supper, is that what you're saying? What's for supper? Yes. Veggie burger. It is Christmas Eve, Some so potato. we're having veggie burger. Yeah, for Christmas, <laughs> even our Christmas dinner is not going to be terribly Unlike any other thing. It's going to be vegetables. Supper tonight, yeah, because we don't eat meat. Um, Veggie burger, potato, and peas. And tomorrow there will be peas, Brussels sprouts, veggie burger, and mashed potato, and some mushroom gravy. And that's it. And, before I give you my advice, I'm working on my second gingerbread house of the year. The first one never got assembled, because my Christmas was cancelled. This one is going to get assembled. I just have, the only thing I'm missing is the icing, which is kind of a problem, because that's actually what sticks it together. But tell everyone what it's going to be. 
the TARDIS from Doctor Who. Correct. Your idea, so I decided to go with it. It could be a little wonky, a little weird. It's just like a tall house, really. But I will, yes. But it's going to have blue decoration all over it, yeah. obviously. And uh, I will post pictures of it on my site, which would be SidTalk.com. C-I-D-T-A-L-K. Which is really funny when people, when I'm telling that to people on the phone for whatever reason. And I say it's SidTalk.com and they're just like, what was that? I'll say SidTalk, like C-I-D, talk. What was that? Yeah. So I don't tell them the whole story. But yeah, SidTalk.com, and um, I'm going to post pictures of it. It's also on my Facebook thing. Maybe you can post it on your little Ace after the show if I if it looks good enough. You can post it, yeah, on this podcast uh, in the yeah. comments section. might do that. And my advice is, it doesn't look very cheery, but like to ask yourself, and you might ask yourself this and you think you already have the answer, but in all of life, being alive and just living and doing your thing, like, what is the point? Now, if you say that the point is, well, I have a higher power and I'm going to eventually have an afterlife where I'm going to spend it in heaven with people that I care about or raise myself to a higher level or whatever. Or the point is that I've raised a bunch of children and they're great human beings and I've contributed to society. Or the point is that I'm alive and the, the universe is alive and I'm a bunch of atoms that get to be connected for a little while and then they'll go on and be something else. That's kind of my point. Because I think sometimes, I don't know how, your mind doesn't work this way. Mine does. Where I do wonder that a lot. Like, ugh, I hate fucking bills and the mortgage and the bullshit and the paperwork and this trap you're all in, you know, we're all in, of like, fuck, I gotta wear my shoes when I go in the store and I gotta pay my stupid mortgage on a certain day and I gotta watch out for money and insurance and I'm supposed to have a job that may or may not suck the life right out of you. Mine I happen to like, but I could be in a different circumstance. And that's it. You're just moving money around. You're seriously, that's your whole fucking life. As an adult, if you're capable or willing or able or whatever, even if you're not and you're getting welfare, rightfully or wrongfully, you are accepting money from a source and then you're spending money. And then you accept it and you spend it. And in the meantime, you get the little bits and pieces and you have your family and your friends and, you know. But like, what is the bigger, bigger thing? Me? I think that moments like right here, right now, because I was thinking about people on Christmas who don't give a shit about Christmas and they're actually just miserable anyway. Whatever life is thrown at them, it's terrible. And maybe they don't have a Christmas. There isn't, they don't believe in the whole ritual. I mean, there's eight billion of us. We don't all. Yeah, not everybody celebrates Christmas. But there are also people who have been raised with it and did believe in it at one time or had a thing about it. And now they just sit alone in a room. And say, like, well, fuck everybody. I don't have the happy thing on that stupid commercial has. And I'm not watching Love Actually because that's a bunch of nonsense. And I might as well just be dead. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not exaggeration. That's how my father sees life. What's the point? Right. I'm old and I'm stupid and I'm worthless. So I might as well just be dead. That's how Phil Mitchell sees it in EastEnders. Yeah, and that's why that character right now is totally, I totally get where they're coming from. It's not an exaggeration that an older person who's not super healthy, would just give up and make no bones about it. Like, why can't I just drop dead? And I'm not going to do it, but why can't I just drop dead? Like, I'm not going to make it happen. This is very cheery for Christmas. But it goes to Happy my Happy Christmas, point. everybody. It goes to my point <laughs> that if you think about it enough and you find a reason for you in this moment. Now, I'm not saying this for people who are going through horrible pain 
or suffering or loss or disease or you're living in a war zone. I can't identify with any of that. I'm talking about those of us who have a basically, there's no horrible external force pressing on us. You know, there's nothing like, I don't, I'm not a refugee that's, my home's been bombed and half my family's dead. Any of that horrible stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of us who are listening to this podcast probably. And you've got a car and you've got a job and you've got a, a means to listen to a podcast and you've got means to watch movies. And yet sometimes you feel like, ugh, ugh, I'm just part of the meat grinder, right? What is the point? Well, the point is right here, right now. Like you, you take it this minute, for what it is, and then the next minute, and if you make a memory or a moment where we're having this conversation about this movie and it's kind of funny and I'm going to turn around and play my Sims for a minute and post a little bit on Facebook and tell people Merry Christmas, and then the next minute I'll go make us some supper, and then in the next minute I'll think about how I'm going to make my frosting. And Sometimes... then in the next minute, tomorrow, we'll have some presents. <laughs> and then watch Svengooey for the two hours and get through each, and some people go, oh, it's one day at a time. Well, you know, sometimes... It's literally one second at a time. Because in this second, you want to be dead or be done. And maybe the next second, you won't. And the next second, you won't again. And then something else will happen that will make that fade a little bit more. I'm not saying you don't have the right to be done with your life. That's up to everybody individually. But there's always, almost always another second (laughs) until there isn't, I guess. But generally speaking. So Merry Christmas. If you want to find a point... It could be that you're just listening to this and I'm actually just talking to you. I'm a human being sitting in a room surrounded by cushy stuff, but I'm thinking about a person who might be out there going, Ugh, I can't do this another minute. Well, don't go through the minute. Just get through the second, right? Email me something really horrible or funny or tell me I'm stupid. That'll get you through another five minutes. Go to my website and look at my stupid shit that I post. That'll get you through five minutes, right? And then... Watch Svengooly on MeTV, <laughs> whatever. Like, that'll get you through two hours. Sometimes that's what you got to do. And that's the point, that you're just, you're living. And sometimes that's all there is. That There's no big, bigger picture. There's no, I'm not curing a disease. I'm not writing the great American novel. I'm not making a big masterpiece. I haven't had ten children who become brain surgeons and solve the world's problems. It's just being alive. All right, so um, we actually have uh, a couple of new contests this week. Oh. Um, Sid Talk's going to tell you what the uh, two new movies uh, you can win. Is this a secret or something? Oh, you're just going to tell us. Phantasm, which I've never seen. The original Phantasm has been remastered. Um, okay. We have the special edition Blu-ray. You can win it uh, on ascoli.com. Why are you, you telling them this? Why am I telling them this? Though? And what's the other one? Uh, the Dressmaker, hmm. which I don't know nothing about. Well, who's in it? Uh, is that Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet, Judy Davis, Liam Hemsworth, and Hugo Weaving. All right, so you can win a copy of The Dressmaker on Blu-ray or a copy of Phantasm on Blu-ray. That's a cool cover on Phantasm. It really is. Uh, Go to aschoolie.com next week and you can win either of those. Uh, What else have we got? Are we going to talk to them before the end of 2016 or is this it? we got another podcast coming up. I know, but we will be doing it on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And you may or they will will not be listening to it. So if... If you do not hear our voices again until 2017, have a pleasant Christmas or whatever you're doing this week. If you don't give a shit about Christmas, then have a nice day. I don't care what you're doing. And then have a 
Everyone's new year is turning over, as far as I know, on the globe. We all kind of recognize that as the new year, mostly, these days. And enjoy your new presidents if you live in the U.S. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what a treat. What a drag. That was a... No, I, I can accept that. That goes with your advice. What is the point? No, I, I've come to understand, you know, it's, it's part of democracy. You can't have a democracy if you want to control who's the president. No. It's a, sh- it's a crapshoot, and sometimes you just got to roll with it. And you know what? Could be fantastic. Could be amazing, could turn things around in the whole world, could be nothing. Could be neutral, could be terrible, and we could get bombed with nuclear bombs anytime. But, we again, second by second, you hang on there, if you get, if, because you never know. If nuclear bombs, if we all get bombed, then <laughs> well, there is no point. There's going to be somebody living around somewhere, somewhere, but I'm, yeah, that's the one thing. Deal with it, cope with it, and move on. So let me remind you of our websites, aschoolie.com and sids.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to aschoolie.com slash podcast. You can subscribe there or just listen straight on the page. Email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She... You can email me if that, if that trips your trigger for the next five minutes. Um, you can also uh, yeah, email if you want. Yep. But don't expect a reply. <laughs> well, <laughs> if if that keeps you, you know, going for a, a while, I don't look at my email constantly. I do not have a smartphone. Uh, but, yeah, send me a note and tell me, reference this podcast so I'll know what you're talking about. And I want to say... Like, to ask me what's the point. I want to say, um, stay classy, Miss Carrie Fisher, who is recovering from a heart attack this week. As um, far as we know. No, it's true, because I was I just reading about it before. I mean that she's still recovering. Oh, she is still recovering. She's not unrecovering. It like broke your heart. You were really sincerely worried. I think you would be more worried about her than if my mother had her attack. No, I'm not sure. But leave, yeah, but don't, don't, <laughs> don't kill General Leia. It is really, really not good. I like that you call her General now. That's good. That is what she is. I know. Um. So yeah, get well, Carrie Fisher. Um. That is horrible. And uh, happy 2017 to you all. Yes. And I'm gonna say, think for yourselves, because if you're not doing it. Trust me, someone is doing it for you. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas is all around me. And so the feeling grows. It's written in the